0: hello and welcome the name of this podcast series is taboo truths and tales so why these particular t words are all in the title you may may want to know fair question it's because this podcast deals with subject matter considered to be taboo this podcast deals with a person's perception of truths And this podcast deals with storytelling tales of fiction told by an individual. You need to choose for yourself what you perceive as truths versus tales because very often in real life that distinction is not crystal clear. This podcast is marked Explicit. What that means, you should not listen to this podcast if you happen to be under the age of 18 or if someone under age 18 is listening there with you. Explicit means nobody under age 18 should be listening to this podcast series. So here we go taboo truths and tales is hosted by Madeira de souza that's me some of you may know me by my nickname as woody whatever you want to call me i welcome you here to this podcast which is definitely intended for people who are 18 or older thank you now let's get started And now, welcome to a conversation with the master of marijuana, Jorge Cervantes. Jorge, I want to welcome you here today. Uh, It's an honor to meet you, so to speak, across the miles. Um, Now, you have an impressive list of uh, books that you wrote. And you started in the days when it was not only taboo, but illegal and anyone who wrote or published was breaking the law and you did that. What, what are some of your memories of those wonderful days so long ago?
1: Dude. Yeah. Well, okay. Woody, thank you so much for having me on your program. I'm really, I'm really honored that you take the time to, to choose me. You know, um, I, I really, thank you so much. Um, yeah, I'm American citizen. I live in bar, Barcelona, Spain. Um, yeah. And I've been to Las Vegas where your program is. Uh, actually, I was there this, uh, last year, last, last year, the October, September, Yeah, September, October, sometime then. And, um, yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. Um, yeah. And I hope everybody enjoys the program. And like I said, for me, it's a very big honor. Uh, when I started, actually, let me see. I've got a few things. I've got, here's my first book. Um, I had to print this book myself because I couldn't get anybody to print it. I couldn't get anybody to publish it. Uh, they just said no. Um, sound like, kind of like, uh, Nancy Reagan, but that this was actually before Nancy Reagan. Uh, she was, I mean, that, I mean, it's just like, wow, horrid. And we had to, we, we were growing inside. Uh, we were growing in indoors. Well, I, I grew outdoors, you know, for some years. And then, but when I moved to, Oregon and, and back up to Oregon that's where I grew up. I I uh, started this book and you can see it's, it's it's pretty basic. Um it it was uh it was rough as hell. I was scared like most of the time. Uh they called most of my friends uh, criminals. Uh, my I had to have two sets of friends. Uh it, 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 it was just, it, it was just fucking horrible. Um, you know, I, I thought it and I, I wrote this book or I published it in 1983. Um I'd been growing since God, since I got out of university. Actually, I grew a couple of years in university. Uh but uh yeah, I think my first big crop was like 78, 70, yeah, 78 77, 78 then. Yeah. And um and it was scary as heck. Uh, we had, uh, oh, excuse me, we had, but, but some of the things going for us at that time was, was it was good and bad. There was no internet, uh, so they couldn't run your name real easily. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> that was uh, the uh, thing, because you, know, you go across the border now and heck, everybody got one of these iPhones, you know, and the uh, database is tuned into this stuff. So, uh, yeah, and they know who you are before you pull up uh, to go across the border. There's all kinds of uh, uh, security now. You yeah. uh, know, way too much about that stuff. But I, I don't have to deal with that that that, that stuff anymore because uh, things are well, so far, just knocked on wood, uh, more or less legal in, in many places in the world. Uh, but yeah, it was there was the main guys that were growing. There was a few. Well, like used to know them as hippies, old hippies um, were growing a lot, and a lot of bikers. A lot of bikers were growing. Yeah. Uh, And Hugh L. Those were the main people. A few, a few on and off, uh, you know, novelty things. It was no big deal for a few years, and then then that that uh, Nixon came down. Well, that was seventy six, right? Early on. Yeah. Uh, start that, that war on drugs. And it was it was scary. It was real scary. Uh at one time about half of my friends were in jail. Or, I mean in jail or on parole. Not probation, parole. You know, quite a difference between there. You know, you don't you don't have any rights. Yeah. You have basically the right to do what they tell you. yeah <laughs> Well, yeah, and and then the other thing. Okay, this is a, the other big thing is we had like really bad seeds. You know, I mean, all we had was uh, well back then there was a Mexican dirt weed because the Mexicans are smart. You know, they uh, they sent all the worst uh, cannabis up up north, and they kept the good good cannabis. And then later we got uh, uh, Colombian, which was you know quite a bit better. Or at least the stuff that we got up uh, up north was, and then then we had um, and then later, well, Vietnam too. The Vietnam canvas came over. There was the uh, Thai sticks, and then there was some ochered Thai sticks. A bunch of my friends bought some of that back, and so you can fill your whole sea bag up with that. And uh, and then there was a Hawaiian. And then I wasn't really involved in these groups. But it was, uh, they had uh, found the, the Afghani cannabis and the Indian cannabis. It's just um, a whole different, like a cannabis indica, they would call it today. Short, squat, bushy plants that, that produced a lot more. And those, those things were, were quite a bit better. And there were some people working with them, but I hadn't discovered them by, by then. Because the circles, I mean, you have a circle of growers here and a circle of growers here. And they don't they don't coincide. Yes.
0: Nobody, yeah. nobody talks. <laughs> yes. You know, I lived in Humboldt County in California. Oh, really? Yeah. Now it's called uh, the Emerald Triangle. It sounds really like a movie, yeah. um, but that was in the seventies, the time that yeah. you were starting out, and <clears throat> I knew people, ordinary, everyday people, who grew in their closet. You know. Yep. And it just seemed so primitive, very tall, like eight feet, six feet to eight (laughs) feet tall. And I don't remember any any discernment about, well, this is great tasting or this is whatever. It was all just the same. It was just such a (laughs) universal experience. I wonder what how do you look at then versus now for people growing their own?
1: Before before you had Two kinds of cannabis. You had good dope and you had bad dope. <laughs> There's no in-between, you know. And the good dope was what you had in front of you. And the bad dope is what you no longer have. <laughs> um, Yeah, see, I mean, most of that, well, pretty much everything that, that, that came up here, the Mexican cannabis, that was, uh, uh, I don't know, can you hear those sirens? I live in the city, and sometimes it's a little loud.
0: No, I'm okay. Um, I don't hear
1: Oh, okay, good. Uh, yeah, so uh, the deal is, uh, yeah, I mean, you had, to, most of those were a, a cannabis sativa type. And uh, there's a lot being said about, you know, uh, nomenclature and stuff now, but that's pretty normal for all plants. Um, yeah, you had the sativa, most of those were, well, they were all tropical. They were all grown in the tropics, right? So uh, the characteristics, and, and, and that's Colombian Colombian cannabis, Mexican cannabis, because pretty much everything, oh gosh, uh, they have 12-hour days pretty much uh, south of Querétaro. Um, I, I used to go to the University in Mexico. Anyway, but south of uh, Querétaro, they, it, 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 everything is 12 hours, you know. Um, like what, the Baja Peninsula, you go around mid to halfway down the Baja Peninsula. It gets pretty close to 12, 13 hours all the time, so, uh, uh, cannabis is, is photoperiodic reactive, which is kind of a big name for, uh, flowers under 12 hours of darkness. You gotta give it 12 hours of darkness. It's like the, the poinsettias, or, um, what else, uh, uh, the Napa cabbage, the so Chinese cabbage, they call them the tall ones. Or another one, another plant, cocklebirds. There, there's quite a few plants that are like that. Anyway, uh, so these plants would flower over a long period of time, and the internodal length between the branches was really quite, a, quite, quite long. So you take these, and you give them, oh yeah, and then the sun in the tropics is like hawks. It's, it, it, it's strong, really strong. So, uh, really bright and intense. And so, uh, uh, these plants can get a lot of light in the tropics. Well, you take them and put them in a closet, and or in a room, and, and the things grow. They start stretching for the light, right? They stretch and stretch. And the internodal length, it will be like that. You know, about, about four, four, four and a half, five weeks, um, they'll fill up a number of eight feet. Wow. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, I mean, uh, a lot of people at the time were probably using fluorescent lamps, so those T12. Uh, one inch, one and a quarter inch, I guess they are, uh, about, about that big around. And they just don't throw very much light, and they throw it about, oh, maybe six inches. And then later came the more, uh, the stronger lights. Well, let's see in the the first there was mercury vapor lights. Those were, you remember those. Oh, yeah. Uh, They they had the, they they looked blue in the street lights, you know, especially right after you turn them on. And then after that, they uh, came up with the uh, uh, metal halide lights, which, uh, which threw a different spectrum and they they have these uh, chemicals in the, the arc tube there, they're called halogens, that's where they get the name uh, for uh, discharge light. It means they run electricity through the, yeah. Through this uh, stuff. Anyway, I don't need to go into that uh, technical stuff. And then after that, they came out with the uh, sodium light, so it's the one that looks um, uh, yellow. Uh, yellow, to reddish, and uh, orange, orange glow, I guess. And you see those in the street lights as well. Well, that was when the big changes came uh, quite quite a bit, you know, during that time. And that was like uh, mid mid uh, mid eighty, early to mid eighties, is when that all started coming in. And that's uh, that's we when I did this book, obviously, we had halide lights because they were all around. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but. Uh, it, it, Early on, I mean, heck, nobody knew the difference between a boy and a girl, you know, because there's uh, cannabis is diocious. So since it's dioecious, that means you got a boy plant, a, a girl plant, or male and female. And sometimes they get mixed up and they have the same um, the same um, sex organs on the same same plant. That's technically it's called an intersex plant. Uh, hermaphrodites quite a bit different. Uh, but that's the common word that everybody uses, because intersex doesn't sound as sexy as hermazzadine. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um uh, yeah, but the the differences are huge. Uh First time I saw one of these lights hanging was, that was actually in Humboldt County, in uh, Selham in Southern Humboldt. And that was in, oh, uh, what the... Oh, I'll think of it in a minute. Um, I used to buy cannabis there when I was running up and down the coast with it. Um, that was, that was the guy had an outbuilding and he had the, the light bulb sticking up here because that's where light bulbs go, in the ceiling. And the plant was planted in the floor and there was about, oh, six feet between the bottom of the light bulb and the, the plant. And, and he says, you know, I... I I just don't think these things are gonna work. <laughs> uh, you know, you gotta get the light close to the plant yeah. so to get enough light. Yeah, so there's there was a huge learning curve uh, for sure. And then for years it was the, the rumor was like well that indoor dope just don't get you high, you know, it just doesn't get you high. You gotta grow out you gotta have outdoor outdoor cabin. There's a heck of a there there's a big lack of information. Yes. Uh, Now we got a lot of information, lots of information, and actually, there's too much information, and there's too many experts that seem to to know it all.
0: Yes, I I agree completely. Hey, when you for growing outdoors, are there places on Earth that are better? Like coffee, is a specific region on Earth? Um, I mean, in Nevada, they do have indoor growing because we have very hot weather here in the summer and then it gets like in the 30s in the winter. But are there places on earth that are better for outdoor growing?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure. And it depends upon the, the variety of plants. And not a lot's really been studied or known about this stuff yet. It's kind of all a hit and miss. See? Uh, like, like when you look at, at hemp, uh, you know, which is, is a type of cannabis, but hemp is considered, you know, low, low, uh, THC, tetrahydrocabinol, uh, cannabinol. It's <laughs> mine. It comes out bad sometimes. Uh, uh but that does best, uh, guys, up in, up in, uh, like on, in the prairies. Uh, it's so a shorter, shorter season plant. Uh, it does best in cool weather. Uh, but the ideal temperature range, you want to look at the temperature range, is basically 50, 55 degrees. That's, that's kind of a cutting point. It'll go down to 40. It can take 40, and some plants can even take a, a light freeze. A light freeze is defined like, uh, uh well, for Fahrenheit, uh, it's, it's like down to, to, uh, well, from 32 down to like 27 for one night, maybe two. But it can't take, uh, three nights, four nights of that. You usually can't take it, but I've seen guys in Switzerland grow. There's a guy there, um, um, oh, Katz, Katz, uh, he passed away. Felix, Felix, or Felix Katz. And he lived down in, in Ticino in the southern part of Switzerland, uh, where they talk Italian. But he had a plant called Propiacinensis. And uh, it could take a hard freeze, and I had pictures of it every year with snow, snow on the leaves, and it didn't, and it didn't break the cell. And then, and then too, there's some other plants that just cannot do it all well uh, in cold weather, and most of those are tropical or uh, the origin, and they'd be like uh, oh, uh, uh, a haze. There's a famous varieties called haze or. And uh, it's a cross cross between Mexican and, and Colombian, and uh, Thai and and uh, I think there's a couple of ones, yeah. But it's a four way cross, and they th- those uh, they can't take any kind of disease at all. In fact, they're they're very efficient. Uh, so there's a lot of different varieties. It's like, for example, if you take uh, if you look at uh, a plant life that's been real well studied, like. Um, Oh, uh, what corn? Corn, for example. That's like huge commercial crop. Well, you've got sweet corn, which is for, for eating. You've got semi-sweet corn, and then you've got field corn, three basic, basic types. Well, that, I mean, those, those varieties, they'll grow in a, you know, a, a very, uh, varied climate, for example. And, uh, the, sea, the sweet and the super sweet, so Those got to have warm climates. They got to have warm climates. But the field corn, the one with the low sugar content, uh, that that can't. It, it doesn't need a warm climate. In fact, it doesn't like it. Uh, so there, there's a lot of variables that really are not defined. Uh, they say in Humboldt, I and mean, people in Humboldt aren't going to like this but the fact of the matter is uh it, it's a good place to grow there but there's a lot of microclimates for me one of the best places to grow is around salinas california you know which is they call it the salad bowl that whole salinas valley in in uh, uh, colorado or not colorado but in uh, california is uh, a great place to grow but overall i mean what it comes down to is how much does it cost you to grow. People didn't pay that much attention to cost before, but now they do because, you know, say uh, 20 years ago you could get uh, a pound, 454 grams, and sell for uh, five $5,000 US. And that's a heck of a lot of money, and today you can buy that, that same pound for about uh, 10% of that uh, for $500. Yeah. So, uh, you better have your production costs pretty low. And that's one of the things I've been uh, arcing on people for a long time. And so many people said, hey, they just couldn't do it. And <laughs> well, those guys that complain, now they're, they're out of the market. Yeah. So the best place to grow is where it's the least expensive. And if you're going to grow in a greenhouse, the best places to grow in a greenhouse is along a big body of water. Uh, because that's where the climate's uh, moderate. You know, that's where all the greenhouses are up in um, uh, Canada. Very are close. Well, in the lower mainland, there's, there's a lot. And also, uh, in the lower mainland, that's in, in Vancouver, B.C., or Vancouver, uh, B.C., um, the province and all that flatland, and then the other place, you know, and this is cold climate stuff or cool climate stuff. And the other place, there's a lot of them, and then you know, it's buffered by the water. Uh, it doesn't it freezes once in a while? And then the other place to grow is uh, around Leamington, and that's buffered by the Great Lakes. You know, um, yeah, yeah. In California is it's the agricultural state. Uh, yeah, I mean, Colorado is one of the worst places because it, it's just so damn cold. They've got that, it, it's in the south there, they've got the, uh, they call it the banana belt, but um, I can't really, I don't know, really, I, I know it's the banana belt, but it freezes less there. They, they rate these climates in, um, uh, how many, how long? Uh, how often it freezes, you know, last average day of frost and the first first average day of frost, yeah. and they define the season by that. Um, yeah. Well, so, and yeah.
0: you mentioned being in Nevada, and Nevada. I moved here in twenty twelve, and the laws changed shortly after. So it's accurate to say Nevada is new to the game, so to speak, uh, for. Yeah. Decriminalizing. Um, do you think that some states do a better job in the uh, cannabis regulatory arena?
1: Yeah, they do. You know, but you know, I mean, to be honest, I I, I live here in Spain. I I go visit America. I uh, uh, la- I was there last summer for a couple of months, and but I hadn't been here for quite a few years before that. Um, I did have a house in California, in Sonoma, but we we sold that uh, five, six years ago. Six years, wow, it's been six years. Um, but I never really paid tons of attention to that. The one thing I do know, I know some of them do better than others, and I hear all kinds of stories. Uh, one of the big stories I hear is is since the government's involved, um, people will harvest their cannabis crop and it'll be packaged and stored in, like, a government warehouse. And it's stored for so long that it it, it oxidizes. The cannabis oxidizes. And that means it gets old and it changes color and it degrades a little bit. So that's that's quite a problem. And, And that seems to be across the board, in many many states, but really, and, and, and Oregon is my home state. This is the big deal. This is a, a very big deal. Well, what's happened? If we look at just one state, for example, Oregon, they've got uh, about four million people that live there, and these are all round numbers. Well, with that, out of those four million people, uh, they've got enough dispensaries, or to they've got about four four times more dispensaries than they need. So nobody's really doing that well. I mean, so a few people are, but it, it, it's pretty hard. So it makes a real competitive market. And then and then also, there's more growers. There's like three, uh, let's see. I think there's four times more growers than there are dispensaries that are, that are necessary to fill the dispensaries. So what you have is a market that's only like this big, four, you know, square market for four million people, and it's overproduced. So um, there's there's a lot of cannabis on the market, and there's no place she can take it. So it kind of like makes people want to sell it out the back door, yeah. you know? and then And then on top of that, uh, you know, like in, 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 for example, uh, California, I was pretty familiar with that, that market because I, I grew a lot of cannabis there. In, uh, S- Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara, California, in the, in the mountains back there, uh, in Montecito or Montecito, they, they, uh, actually they had some mudslides there. Uh, so a lot of that, a lot of that turf is, uh, destroyed. But what happens is, is California, the climate's so good there, and it's such a big state, and it's like, you know, the Golden State, you know, the biggest agricultural state, you can grow, you can even grow macadamia nuts in, in the, the south, you know, and that's a real warm, warm climate, uh, perennial. Uh, so, they used to grow enough cannabis to, service about uh, maybe up to half or more of the United States. Well, when it became legal, the border closed, closed around, and so they had to sell all that cannabis in the same place. And it was real hard for people to, you know, change old habits.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes.
1: Yeah. So there's going to be some big, big things happen as far as the cannabis market goes. The first the first big shakeout is already upon us, and that's uh, that's price, uh, production price. Because I saw people in my trip to to America this year, to North America, I saw people growing uh, uh, all in places they shouldn't be growing, uh, where it's just too expensive. Uh where they'd have to actually haul their water in a water truck, and then they have to buy the water from the municipality or the county. and then they have to take that water, truck it, and then store it again on location, and then redisperse it. So that's that's like a heck of a big cost. And then I met other guys that are they're growing in an agricultural area. And what happens is those guys, uh, they get their water in a ditch, and they pay for it by the acre foot, you know? So if they want more water, they just lift that gate, and they got more water. Yeah. You know? <laughs> now, who, who's got the advantage here, see? <laughs> uh, You know? And, and then all those poor guys up in Humboldt. I mean, to run an acre up there, I counted you'd need well anywhere from six to twelve people. Uh, you know, because you've got slanted land, or I mean, um, what do you call that? Inclined land and stuff, and and then they then the, the city or the, the county gets in and makes some uh, uh, put good roads in and all kinds of regulations. So they're not used to that. They're used to hiding and. You know, getting away with stuff and then yes. you gotta pay taxes. That's You're right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm used to paying taxes, right? And these are all big, big changes. And then, okay, that's number one. And that's going on now. The second thing is going to happen. Number two is when they allow interstate commerce. When you can take your cannabis from, from say, California and ship it to Nevada. That's going to be hard as heck on that uh, Nevada market because, it, it, you know, I mean, it costs too much to produce. So if, you, if you've if got somebody over there in the Central Valley that can grow um, for a lower price, well, they're going to do it. And they're going to just ship it over there and, it, it, you know, and it fill up a, a tractor trailer or a couple of those trailers with cannabis and, and you move it, you move it at night so it stays cool it's not that far to drive. Um, you know, you got a heck of an advantage over somebody that's got a got a greenhouse that they've got to eat at night and cool during the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, You've got big expenses. Yeah. So those are the first thing. I could talk about all of the other, you know, fine aspects and and stuff, but um those things are the ones that are going to dominate. Yeah. And then they'll get the other stuff sorted out
0: for that. Well, I have one, one final question for you. Um, sure. Las Vegas is an international venue for people to come here and have a good time. And the representatives mm-hmm. of Las Vegas uh, have talked about trying to become the Amsterdam of North America, which is a reference to what they do in the Netherlands, Another, uh, Amsterdam, city of, has about 200 years worth of experience. And Las Vegas is not even 102 or 3 or 4 years old. And they want to make Las Vegas as a international venue where you come here and you consume cannabis as part of your experience as a tourist. Um, and they're just now making it legal to have what they call horrible name consumption lounges in Vegas, <laughs> and none of them have opened there's one in an Indian reservation indigenous tribe um, what do you think of that of uh, of a uh, Las Vegas trying to be Amsterdam of North America for cannabis
1: uh, maybe, but um there's a lot of other cities too, you know i mean there's uh and you've got the good things going for Las Vegas. Are, are uh, there's a um, there's a lot of cheap cheap air flights in there, and it's kind of a hub. Uh, you can get there on the airplane really inexpensively. Uh, they've changed the, the profile of the city. It's more of a family destination now. Used to be you'd just go there for the shows and, and, and gambling and, and, and have wild crazy times. Now you've got kind of like everything. Um, maybe, I, I don't know. There's a lot of promotion going on. Nobody really knows. But you've got other cities like, you know, um, up and down the West Coast, and it's all, it's legal everywhere. Uh, so say you, you know, you go to, to San Diego, say you go to San Francisco, or you go to um, many, many places. But one thing uh, Las Vegas stuff does have, have is it appears to be a pretty safe city, you know. Um, so that's going to be appealing to people. Um, I'd say the more things they have there, the better. Um, yeah. Oh, oh, and I want, I got friends there. we got friends. I got to give a shout out to, uh, El Jardin, uh, Jardin, J-A-R-D-I-N, Jardin. Um, Brittany, Brittany, my friend uh, Brittany, I've known her for years. She she manages that. Manages that. That place. It's, it's great. <laughs> you come out and deliver it to your car. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, uh, Amer- I love America in that way. They're so innovative. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but man, I don't know. All of that stuff. That's uh, that's a hard one for me because, like, um, I understand stuff like this. You know, I'm growing. This is my book. Oh yeah, I gotta. T- I gotta. I gotta plug a couple things. This, is that okay if I, Oh yes, and I I will
0: I will definitely put links to your books. But go ahead and tell okay. us.
1: Yeah, yeah, okay. This book here, this is we just started putting this up. This is Cannabis Encyclopedia. Published 2016. It's like I don't know, eight hundred no, uh, almost six hundred pages, eight and a half by eleven format. Huge. It's got more than a couple thousand photos in it. And, um, anyway, I'm putting this up on the Internet on my website, MarijuanaGrowing.com, M-A-R-I-J, J, J, one with a J, not an H or a G, but uh, but MarijuanaGrowing.com. And I'm putting this whole thing up right now. Just today, we put up uh, the first six chapters. And, dude, it's free. It's free, 100% free. You come to my site, and uh, you got the same information. Um, and, uh, we still have the books for sale, but as soon as they're gone, that's it. We will have no more books left. So it's important, uh, to know that. And I don't know, I mean, you gotta you probably have a, well, there's a big Hispanic population there too. And, um, but see, nobody listens in Spanish or I, I, I tell you in Spanish, but the same book, uh, uh, Encyclopedia del Canine, is well, it's in, it's in, uh, Spanish as well. I put six chapters up, or oh, I didn't. My, my really smart technical guys did. Brilliant. I'm really fortunate. I got brilliant team. Uh, they put up, uh, the English book for six, six chapters, and they also put up the, uh, Spanish book, the uh, Encyclopedia de Canes, six chapters, and we're going to keep putting up more chapters as, as the days and weeks go on. So that's there. And then I also did, an, uh, two other books. Uh, that are free, 100% free. These are PDF format. One of them is called Cultivamos uh, Cannabis. That's the Spanish one. And uh, that just, uh, well, that one launches tomorrow. And then the other one is called uh, We Grow Cannabis. And those are, uh, we're putting together a community, you know, because it seems like everything got so damn fractured with stuff. And uh, all the money comes in and everybody's. They get so competitive and jealous and stuff. Yeah. We need to stick together. I want to stick together. Yeah. Because you know, there's a bunch of really good guys involved in this whole industry. And I I want to be like part of those guys, you know, yeah. fun guys.
0: Well, I so appreciate your talking to me today and um glad to meet you here across the many miles. Um, I will put up a link so that people can see your books and download them. But I, again, I thank you so much for talking okay, to me.
1: For sure. For sure. Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. And you can go to my, my other website, uh, uh, Jorge, or, uh, yeah, Jorge-Cervantes.com and that's where all the media stuff is. You can download all the media stuff you need and there's like, you can find, you know, when you look into me, you, you see I've done a few things. I got the whole oh, I'm published written, published over 6, 50 books in uh, eight different languages. Yeah. So we're going to keep cranking
0: those things out. Yeah. Great. Keep up the good work.
1: Yeah. Hey, thank you so much, Woody. Thanks for having me. It was a wonderful
0: time. You have been listening to a conversation with the master of marijuana, Jorge Cervantes. Visit the website growingmarijuana.com for more. That's the website growingmarijuana.com.